0: On this episode of Team Building Saves the World, right now it sounds like you're saying that clients are looking to come back to in person.
1: You can still do the hybrid or the parallel event. Okay. You need to make hard choices, though.
0: Let's talk hybrid, though. Yeah. What do we have? What can, What's in the middle? And
1: what this really
0: is? Shh, big secret. Uh, still sounds. And who's better. paying that bill? Still sounds better. But yeah, still sounds better. <laughs> 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 it's still Hawaii. So <laughs> is there a balcony? Cause I'll take it over. My, you know. <laughs> Hello team. Once again, it's me, your old friend, Rich Rinnensland, host of team building saves the world. The show where I speak to the leaders and innovators of the team building industry from all across the globe, trying to find out what about that industry is so important, especially in the world of today. And today we're talking about in-person events with the Executive Director for Strategy and Creative for VDA, Mr. Bob Russo. But first, I need to share some love with my supporters at Team Bonding. If your team is ready to experience teamwork through the power of play, then visit teambonding.com to learn more. But now, team, join me in welcoming a man who has over 30 years of experience in the event and theatrical design, and in 2021 was named one of BizBash 500's most influential pro- event professionals, Mr. Bob Russo. Hey there, Bob. Rich. That sound you hear are a small group of people I keep trapped under my desk just to applaud you, Bob.
1: I'm all for midget bondage. <laughs>
0: And that's one for the quote board. So, Bob, let's start off. Uh, Tell everybody on my team out there who you are and uh, how you got yourself into this industry.
1: Well, you don't have enough time for the how I got here. Um, (laughs) As an old theater hack, like a lot of us, right? Wanting to be an actor, discovered Mm. that. Boy, I I, I was no good at that. And uh, jumped to the other side of the world, to the production side, and and, uh, was designing costumes and designing scenery, and then decided I really wanted to make some money so i <laughs> into the corporate side where they have all the money. They keep the money there.
0: True enough. True enough. So uh, can you explain for us what VDA is and what do you guys do?
1: VDA is an experiential design agency and we ideate and produce uh, events around the country, around the world, experiential events, conferences, trade shows, theme events. We also do a museum exhibitry and themed retail. Uh, You may have seen some of our work in the Boston area. Jordan's Furniture is a VDA project. Mm
0: -hmm. And how did you get into that? Because that seems a very specific niche.
1: So one of the things that I really love about working with VDA is they're fearless. And someone comes to us with an idea and uh, there were a lot of companies that might say no or you're crazy and you can't do that. (laughs) And we just say, yeah, sure, I guess we can figure it out. And so the guys at Jordan's came to us and said, can you build us a, uh, um, you know, a giant atrium made entirely of jelly beans? And we said, mm, I'm sure we could do that, give it enough time and enough money. Well, they gave us enough money, but not enough time.
0: So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's things just fall into your lap. It's word of mouth. It's being around for a while. BDA is celebrating their 37th year this year.
0: Getting into it though, VDA of course, I I love the fact that your your company is very much what the client wants you can get. So you're going to, yeah. so it's everything is unique.
1: You yeah, know? we're more of a boutique agency where everything we do is really a one off. Okay. The cookie cutter here's here's you know a line of ten by ten trade show booths running down running down a, a row. Um, each one is unique and custom built.
0: So, going by that, give me an example of what it was like. I mean, let's let's talk about the the jelly beans. Um, let's talk about what it looked like creation to actual execution pre pandemic. Something like something along that size.
1: Well, something along that size. Uh, you know, there's there's again each of these things are so unique. Mm-hmm. So for, for that, for Bean Town, we needed to actually. Um, uh, work with the town of Reading to create a new building code because sugar burns. If you want to build out of a flammable material, they want to know how are you keeping it from bursting into flames and killing a lot of people. And what's the burn rate and what is, happens when it melts and drips and who gets killed by that? And what's the off-gassing and blah, 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 blah. Right. To build an 8 by 8 by 8 room, send it to a lab in Texas, and they lit it on fire and captured data and then the town of Reading said no, so we built another one and sent it back, and that one uh, performed better. And then they built a third, and blah blah blah. So we now have authored a building code for building things out of candy in the town of Reading.
0: <laughs> Amazing! Check the code. Nice. Yeah. So that's something you had to come up with pre-pandemic. Now yeah, you yeah. now you have this new thing. I mean, COVID nineteen. You know, it, as as well as things are turning. Still has not gone away. Um, You know, we're we're still getting new new ideas about how to combat this and get back to somewhat normalcy day after day after day. But even the CDC itself, I was just looking on their website today, they still recommend keeping things to small events, but they don't have a clear definition of what that even means. So what do you have to go through today in order for someone like VDA to create (laughs) something for a client?
1: So I just came back from Chicago. I was speaking at a a show called Experiential Marketing Summit, and the topic was about budgeting, but that was one of the points I touched on was COVID protocols are throwing everything for a loop. A, yeah, right. There is no clear direction on, on what we should and shouldn't be doing. Right. And it varies state to state. So if we're talking national, it's state to state. If you're talking international, you might as well just go home. It gets harder and harder. All yeah. those things pile on. I had an event the beginning of twenty twenty, in January of twenty twenty, right before the lockdown, where the facility had added in some new metal detectors to an entrance of the building. And this was an entrance that a lot of our guests would enter through. And this is a 35,000, 4,000 person event. They mm. would come through these doors, but now there are metal detectors. Um, we had to delay the program by over an hour and a half because people couldn't get into the building soon enough. And I've seen that same thing happening with COVID where there are new protocols. I need to get a temperature check. I need to see your, your vaccination card. I need to ask you this list of questions and it's no longer just, let's go into the event, it's stop. I need to spend a minute with you and a minute with the 500 people behind you, that's 500 minutes and it's gonna take a while for this to happen, right? Right. So we were talking budget because it impacts budget. You're talking about busing people to an event, 50 person 60 person bus no longer holds that many people so do you add more buses and spend more dollars or do you use this is longer and spend more time and what do you do with the people that arrived at the beginning before the people at the end get there and you know these are the challenges that we're facing trying to reimagine live in-person events because everything piles on
0: plus and that's just on your side i mean the client what kind of what kind of problems are the client themselves facing
1: Exactly. So the clients are facing those problems. They're facing capacity problems with venues where the venue says, Yeah, we can hold a thousand people. Well, not anymore, really. We can only hold 500 people. Right. And they're also facing uh, contractual issues because a lot of times with larger live events, you get the room for free, right? But you have a food and beverage minimum that's based on a thousand people because you can fit a thousand people in there. Well, now I can't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the venues haven't lowered those food and beverage minimums, So I'm paying for a thousand people and I can't put a thousand people in the room. So now clients and venues sort of going head to head and arguing over that kind of stuff. You've got, uh, everyone has lost money during this. Everyone's trying to recoup revenue and the the contracts are all changing. That would be the one thing I would tell everyone. I, I said this at my talk out in Chicago last week, read the contract. Everyone's changing up the contracts. I had a client planning an event at a space that she'd been to before, and she had four breakout rooms and just a level set. A breakout room, the AV, should cost, let's say, twenty-five grand for a reasonable-sized breakout room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She had four breakout rooms. She didn't notice in her contract she was now required to use the in-house vendor. The in-house vendor handed her a bill for four breakout rooms for $760,000.
0: Ooh, so so familiar with Zoom anymore. You you say the words breakout room and yes. I it means one thing. What does a breakout room mean mean for that?
1: In live events, uh if you've got a conference set up, you usually have a general session where everybody comes together, you get all the attendees in one room, and it's one big group of people listening to speakers, watching content, learning. Mm-hmm that you break up and you go into smaller groups for, you know, targeted learning. And this group is going to learn this piece and this group is going to learn a different piece. And then maybe in the afternoon they'll switch and, uh, you know, but it's, it's targeted smaller groups. Mm. So and everybody does it. Right. Right. But normally it's 25 grand and, not 160 something thousand dollars.
0: Well, let's look at it. How did you guys actually handle the, the first lockdowns? Because we, everybody got hit. Suddenly, I was I was saying the same thing. I was talking about two to co-workers of mine. Mm-hmm. And we were reminiscing last, not this this year's, but last year's March, where we just started losing work right right off yeah. our schedules. Everything was Absolutely. just dropping away. So what did yep. you guys do? How did you pivot? What did you come up with?
1: VDA, we were lucky. We early on made the decision not to have any layoffs, not to have any furloughs to keep our team intact. And then, uh, I hate to use the pivot word, but I will. We pivoted and began to examine um, online and virtual. Mm -hmm. So, we had always done some online stuff and some hybrid stuff. But pre-COVID, a virtual event was sort of, I call it a fly on a wall type of thing, where you put a camera at the back of the room. Back of that big general session, you put a camera, and everyone gets to watch what happens in that room. Okay. Um, But nowadays, it needs to be far more curated content that is created specifically for an online virtual audience. Hmm. And there are two types of virtual events. There's what we're doing now, the virtual Zoom type of heads in a box, Brady Bunch, chitter-chatter over video calls, right? Sure. Now it's Zoom, whatever. Or there's a more immersive 3D environment that is self-navigable and it's more like a video game. Hmm. It's more experiential um, and VDA chose to invest and create our own, uh, it's called BD virtual uh, platform. And we had some great success with that. Um, it started to taper off at the end of 2020 to 2021. And then the Delta variant came and it's come zooming back into, we've had a lot of live cancellations and a lot of folk who are turning over to uh, the virtual side. But one of the things that is gonna happen, live events notwithstanding, virtual is here to stay.
0: Mm. I want to get into that. I definitely want to get into that, Bob. But that's gonna be that's a heck of a conversation unto itself. Let me actually step away just real quickly though. I need to actually take a second and talk to my team out there about a company I'm very proud to be a part of, Team Bonding. Team Bonding was founded over twenty years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong authentic bonds between people who work together? They've created a catalogue of innovative events using the power of play as a learning tool and tapping into the correlation of work and play. From scavenger hunts to jeopardy and so much more, the team bonding of activities live, virtual and hybrid maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. So visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team bonding, when you want seriously fun results. And speaking of live, virtual, and hybrid, we're back with Bob Russo from VDA. So, Bob, let's get into the live, the in-person, I should say, versus virtual versus hybrid. What are we seeing? Mm -hmm. What's happening now?
1: Well, in the beginning, we were all trapped in the virtual world. Sure. Once again, right? Yep. And as soon as things started to open up, there was this kickback. No one wanted to do virtual. Nope, I want to do a live event. I don't want to do virtual. Forget it. All live. I want to go 100% live. And then Delta came. Okay, maybe we'll consider some virtual. Maybe we'll consider some hybrid. And look at it as sort of a pendulum, right? You, you've got a pendulum that swings, and sooner or later it's going to slow down until it levels out. Mm. And I think that's what's going to happen because we have taught people it is possible to stay in your home or in your home city and virtually attend a conference. You don't have to go to a time zone's out of your way. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars and get on a plane. You don't have to spend for a hotel. You don't have to eat lousy chicken in a ballroom somewhere, you can get the information you need. Um, And if it's done properly, you can still have an experience. You can still have a team event. Mm -hmm. The live events are really all about social interaction, relationship building, creating emotion. Right. You need to find a way to do that on the virtual side as well. So that's why we opted for a more immersive. And a lot of the programs out there, up for that more immersive feel to create that sense of relationship, that sense of togetherness.
0: How so? How does it work?
1: Well, it works. Um, bunches of them out there. You can you can still interact, but it, it allows you self control. So you can at your computer explore this virtual world. You decide where you're going to go. You decide because some content can be live. It can be pre recorded. What I want to do, do I want to go and play that game? Do I want to have music track playing in the background? Do I want to see this breakout now or this breakout now? Hmm. When is the general session? Am I going to see it live when it happens on this day? Or am I going to go and see it later? Because that's the other nice thing, too. Right. It takes time zone out of the equation. So I can have my general session Eastern Standard Time at 9 a.m. And if that's inconvenient for attendees who are in India, then they can watch the recorded version later when it's convenient for them and so on and so
0: forth. So they're all they're going to miss on is interacting with their, their fellow employees right. who happen to live on the East Coast. But they're still going to get... you can get... also
1: do something called Simulive.
0: Oh, yeah. It's What's a fun that? word, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Simulive is you record this content and you're going to play it at a later date. And then, at the end, you're going to have a live Q&A. Hmm. It's still a live Q&A, but I watched recorded content The speaker didn't go through the whole spiel again. I watched his recorded talk, and then I get to go online and type out my questions and ask them in real time Hey, you said blank. What did you really mean by that? Or if I do this, how does that affect your answer? Interesting. Yeah. The other fun thing with virtual and hybrid Mm -hmm. is you can get um, a much longer shelf life. Average conference is three or four days. Right. And keep a virtual one online for a month, two months as long as you think you're going to still have audience clicking in and looking at it. I have one client who we did a virtual trade show booth for that has, it's been up now for, I think eight months, just signed on for another six because they now use it more than they use their website. They refer their clients to this virtual interactive space, explore our trade show booth. We'll teach you all about our company Hmm. more than their website because it's fun.
0: Yeah. That sounds it. Let's talk hybrid, though. Yeah. What do we have? What do, What's in the middle? The middle is
1: so. So the definition of hybrid, and I prefer sometimes the term parallel events. Right. Okay. So you've got live events with an audience, and you've got a virtual event. And what this really is, shh, big secret, is broadcast TV. Right. We've been doing it for years. Yeah. You never see a live TV show where the host doesn't address the, the, the out of studio audience. They're always addressing the out of studio audience, right? Mm. Live audience, but they also address the out of studio audience. The content is geared towards both the live audience and the out of studio audience. When they come back from commercial break, it's wrapped up and we say during the break, we talked to blankety blanket. We did this. Mm. It's the same thing. When you're doing a well crafted parallel event or hybrid event, you need to be paying attention to both audiences Okay. Um, ways to bring those audiences together. One of the ways we recently talked about doing it and shut me up if I'm going on too long. No, please for budget purposes is those breakouts we talked about earlier. Do we need to do them live because a great way to save some dollars, because in the beginning everyone had a live event budget mm-hmm. and they could take that money and go, well, I need to do a virtual event. Here you go. Well, now they need to do that live event and the virtual event, but no one has budgeted for two events. Hmm. Where's the money coming from? And nobody has any data. There's no metrics on virtual events. What's my ROI? What does it cost me to do it? What's reasonable? Nobody knows. If I take the breakouts and I do those all virtual Mm -hmm. with the live audience before they go to the live event and the virtual audience, now I'm bringing both audiences together. I can reduce my on-site time, I reduce hotel, I reduce food and beverage, even a day for a 500-person event at 275 for a hotel room and 150, 160 dollars for food and beverage a day, you're near half a million dollars in cost savings by cutting out a day or two. Mm. There's the money for your virtual event, right? Right? And quickly to explain the term parallel, one thing that is a little bit of a misnomer is that a hybrid event is a live and a virtual, and it's the same thing. Yeah. And it's never going to be. We all know that. The live experience is going to be different. The virtual experience is going to be different. But what they need to be is a live event, a virtual event, that is striving towards the same goal. They happen parallel tracks, same goal at the end, though.
0: So there's no way for the people who are doing the in-person to actually meet up virtually with the hybrid folks?
1: Well, they can do... So the nice thing in the the scenario I just described Mm -hmm. is online with the virtual folk. They're all doing the breakouts in virtual. When they get on site, you can still have that virtual version where maybe it's, you know, they're looking in on what's happening live but now they know people there. So if you've got chat functions built into your virtual platform, maybe you can talk live with some of those folks, whether it's text to chat, whether it's video chat, um, whether it's something like what we're doing now with uh, you know, the the zoom, right? So there, there are certainly ways. And I think the biggest struggle in virtual, and this is something that the folks at team building can help with is creating that connection with the virtual audience, because, it's easy when you're in the same room, right? To yeah. create the connection and that relationship. It's much harder, virtual. Right. It's much better online because if I'm not on camera, you don't know if I'm really there. Right. I could be listening. I could not be listening.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: There's no way to know that I'm engaged in the program.
0: For the past several uh, yeah. live of for the past several in-person events that I've had to do, I, I always have the opening line of "It's so good to know that none of you can mute." That you're here and we have to talk to each other. (laughs) Precisely. So what's your recommendation? Would you, I mean, which do you think is the best way to do this? Because right now it sounds like you're saying that clients are looking to come back to in person. Would you recommend the hybrid formula for them or, you know, what would you say?
1: I would, I would say definitely you need to be doing, you need to have a virtual component. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. VDA um, was involved for many, many years with a large tech company's user conference, 15,000 in-person attendees in Las Vegas every year.
0: Mm.
1: Um, At the same time, and this is pre-COVID, they had 3,000 online attendees. Okay. For COVID. And that was a feeder system because people would go online, they would watch the -the fly-on-the-wall content. But that motivated them to show up in person next year because they were watching such a fun time that they wanted to be a part of it. They had, they had a ton of FOMO going on and it was a feeder system to keep the in-person numbers going. But now that we've proven that we can do this and we can do it better than a fly on the wall,
0: nice.
1: we'll demand it. Right. So I, I think the, the savvy companies are going to be planning for a live and a virtual component and it depends on what type of a program they're doing as to how robust that virtual program is going to be versus how robust the in-person program is going. To be. Mm.
0: Um, what kind of benefits are you seeing for this? I mean, is it does, for, the, for the virtual? Yeah. Well, for any of it, for, for the hybrid, I mean, the, the going in the direction that we're going, what, what kind of benefits um, are people seeing?
1: So you're, you're, I think the largest benefit is, um, the audience expansion okay if you've got an in-person event and you need to convince someone to spend thousands of dollars to come to your event even if you're hosting them you need to convince them to leave their family for four or five days mm. go internationally travel nationally deal with that and possibly deal with now the health ramifications of that you better have a good better have a good pitch right right or you could do it virtually. We're going to make sure you have a good time on the virtual side. And we're going to make sure that you still get the same education, same level of learning that our in-person attendees get probably at a lower cost. I think we're far away from seeing virtual as a cost center.
0: Mm.
1: I haven't, I've seen very few people charge for a virtual event. I've seen people charge for live events to go to the conference. You always have to pay your attendance and registration, right? Sure. I haven't seen anyone successfully charge for a virtual event camp.
0: Hmm. Okay. A question that I've been asking a lot of my guests. I'm, I'm a CEO, CFO, whatever it happens to be for a corporation. And it's been over a year since I've been able to see my fellow managers, let alone just the employees mm-hmm. for the company. Right. Uh, sell me, how are you going to, to pitch me on what it is we can do? What are my options are?
1: Well, I think you can still do the hybrid or the parallel event. Okay. You need to make hard choices though. You've got to, so, so I was talking earlier about that 3000 person, 4000 person event just before COVID that was an all hands, all employee meeting for a company. And they had their employees come from 15 different countries Mm. around the world. Um, And it was the C level executives down to the janitors. And and laudable for them, great. I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad because I got paid. (laughs) (laughs) But Time for hard choices. Who gets to go to the live one versus who gets to go to the virtual one, right? Mm -hmm. It's more important that your C-level executives are there and speaking and shaking hands with who? With the janitors or with middle management or with the sales team that came in from India? It's, it's hard choices. We need to re-examine the demographics of who are going to the live event versus who are doing the, the online event.
0: But if I'm planning on doing an event, what mm-hmm. kind of thing should I be looking into for myself and my company?
1: You should be looking into identifying why. Why are we having this event? Because that will drive all your future decisions. Okay. Is it a celebratory event? Is it a learning event? Uh, are you passing on information? Is it, is it, you know, there's sales incentive event. You sold the most insurance. So you get to come to the fabulous place that doesn't work very well in virtual, does it? It There's a beautiful vista of Hawaii that you could be enjoying, but you're not. So it's figuring out what type of event and the why, and then really getting deeper into location choice and looking at those contracts and figuring out what you can and cannot do looking at your locations from a standpoint of internet accessibility and speed is going to become far more critical than it ever has. Sure, Especially if You're talking about doing virtual and you want to be streaming content from your event, from your live event. I remember th- this is slightly tangential, but it's, it's, you didn't ask the question and you were stupid. I was in, uh, oh, I forget which Island I was on. I think it was the Bahamas and we we're doing an event and I asked I had to get, uh, I was on Verizon. I had to get a phone that would work on the island because the island didn't have Verizon, they had AT&T. And I asked the lady when I was there for the site visit, I said, my phone's not working. She explained to me why. So when I was going back, I needed to get a different phone to just to get a temporary phone. But she, she laughingly told me that they had just hosted the Verizon conference and none of the attendees' phones worked. <laughs> <laughs> Including the... The CEO's phone wouldn't work. Oh, my. Oh, my. That was the last one she, she uh, planned, I'm sure. But, again, that's what I mean. You really need to dig deeper and deeper these days. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like, that is not going to happen anymore. But expecting to go somewhere and have really good Internet service is going to be tough. You need to make sure of it before you enter into it. We did an event for uh, the mayors of cities from around the world, a virtual event. And the mayor of uh, a town in Africa only only got internet service from 2 to 4 p.m. at his house. After that, the internet service moved to a different neighborhood, and he would have to chase it to get back online. Wow. And rehearsals and his speaking engagements around when he would have internet, because it wasn't a problem. That's the way it is every day. Mm. Here in the U.S., just take it for granted that, oh, yeah, it works, sure, 24-7, works. Not always, not everywhere.
0: Right. Right. But you're also, you've got to look at, I assume, um, state COVID requirements. But yep. will the facilities have those? Or is the that The facilities can
1: usually help you do that stuff. I okay. mean, and it's, you also need to look at travel requirements for yep. your attendees. Can they get in? Can they get out? In the beginning, there was, you know, quarantining. It's like, that's great. They can come here, but they can't attend the function unless they travel a week before the function. Right. You know, they had people sequestered in hotel rooms in Hawaii during the, the peak of this. Ooh. Where if you travel to Hawaii, you were stuck in your hotel room looking at the beach for over a week. <laughs> uh, still sounds
0: who's better. Who's paying that bill? Still sounds better. But yeah. Still better. <laughs> <laughs> it's still Hawaii. <laughs> it's still Is there a balcony? Because I'll take it over <laughs> my you know, uh, home office any day. What about outdoors? <laughs> Talk about in um, person.
1: Yeah, outdoors is a better bet, and a lot of companies did outdoors. A lot of uh, We did a lot of stuff, um, like permanent outdoor tented venues where people could go outside and sit outside. Um, but it certainly eases the restrictions, but um, you need to look at all of the food safety protocols for where you're going and things like that. What are they doing? I know that I was choosing my air flights based on What are the protocols that each airline is flying? Um, At the very beginning, one of my first trips out, um, normally I'm a JetBlue guy. I like JetBlue, but I flew Delta because Delta was the only airline at the time that had committed to not selling middle seats. So you had a buffer, Hmm. you and a person next to you. Um, Everyone else was selling all the seats at that time. So I was on Delta.
0: I, I have so many things I could say that I'm not going to. (laughs) <laughs> but let me ask so you. would you say that from the sounds of it that if you wish to have an in-person event this is not something you can do off the cuff just just see to your pants this is something no, going to take a lot of planning absolutely not Absolutely. Okay. and
1: the interesting thing is right now clients are in this um right now mindset like mm-hmm. We finally decided that we're going to do an in-person event. We finally decided we're going to do this. So we want to make it happen. Well, when would you like that to happen? Um, we're thinking two weeks from now. I'm thinking no. <laughs> it's not possible.
0: Can, um, can they still get into a virtual event
1: with two weeks notice? It's it's equally hard. Okay. Um, it depends on what they're trying to do. If you if you want to do something that's sort of canned like this, we're all going to log into Zoom. Here's the link. Have a nice time. Sure. Want to do a customized 3D immersive experience? Mm-hmm. Then no. that too is like a six to eight week lead.
0: Okay, good yeah. to know. So let's look to the future, Bob. Let's let's plan ahead. I want to end this on more of a positive, if I can. Where do you <laughs> see this all going? Let <laughs> us say that our COVID numbers continue to improve, and mm-hmm. we got we don't get the lambda variant that's going to shut everything down again. <laughs> let's 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 end on that upbeat. Where do we see this whole world the the events world going?
1: I think what we see is let's go back to that thing I talked about with the tech company with 15,000 in person and 30,000 online. Okay. But maybe not 30,000 online attendees for your conference, but savvy companies will will be back to planning their in-person, taking the, the precautions they need to take and planning it and budgeting for it. Mm-hmm. Including a carefully crafted online presence as well, which will allow them to have a larger audience, an audience that is broader geographically than they may have been able to draw before. And it will increase their exposure if they're doing it right. And that means thinking about it ahead of time and planning for it. Don't let your virtual component be like, here's what we're going to do with the live event. It's going to be this, it's going to be this, it's going to be great. And oh yeah, we should do something for virtual too. Yeah. Give it the same thought and care that you're giving to your live event.
0: Excellent. Bob Russo, everyone give him a big round of applause. Thanks so much for coming on, Bob. I I cannot tell you how exciting it is to actually be able to go back to in person. It's been a lot of fun for me, but it's also exhausting. I forgot. (laughs) I forgot how much travel tires me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But, Bob, thank you one more time. Um, can you actually explain to my people where they can get a hold of you if anybody has further questions for you or for VDA?
1: So you can find me. Uh, it's a very complicated email address. It's bob at vdainc.com. All right. A BLB.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to make sure we don't misspell Bob.
1: Don't misspell it. <laughs> um, yeah. At vdainc.com.
0: Fantastic! Thank you so much, Bob. I, I really Thank enjoyed you, this. Rich. I hope you had a good time. I did. Yeah, um, yeah. But But, uh, well, now it's time to make things a little harder on you, because we're going to put you in the hot seat from a speed round. See, if I were in person, I'd have to have real cars doing this. It'd be a whole thing. All right, Bob, as I explained during the warm-up, here's what's going to happen. For 60 seconds, I'm going to ask you a series of completely innocuous, but I think fun questions. Your job is to try to answer them as quickly as possible to see how many you can get through. So if you're feeling at all...
1: Correctly or incorrectly?
0: Well, they're not really correct. It's more more questions of opinion. The big thing is if you're feeling competitive, the number to beat is 13 this season. So let's see if we can get through this together. Soon as you hear the music, I'll ask the first question, and away we go. What's your name? Mom. How many kids do you have? One. If you could be any animal, what would you like to be? Gorilla. If you could live in any television home, which one would you choose? The Bundys. Favorite ice cream? Pistachio. Would you rather live for a week in the past or the future? Past. What is your favorite childhood memory?
1: That's a tough one. I was doing so well, Rich. Uh,
0: (laughs) Sunday dinner. Favorite cartoon character, Bob? Uh, Batman. Nice. If you could have dinner with anyone from history, who would it be? Uh, Shakespeare. Favorite childhood book? Narnia. Something you remember from elementary school?
1: Uh, The Dame School was where I went to elementary.
0: So you just remember the name? (laughs) I remember the name. That's all I remember. All right. Well, Bob, let's see. How do you think you did?
1: Uh, I don't think I hit the 13 because you caught me with the favorite childhood memory.
0: You actually got? 11. 11. But that's actually been better than average. So well done, sir. Well done to you. you. Thank you. And thanks for again for coming on board. And thank you, my friends, my team out there. That's going to do it. That's another wrap-up for Team Building Saves the World. If you enjoyed this show or you know, if you're brand new to it or you're an old fan, please feel free to share it with all of your friends. Uh, if you want to make sure that all of your cohorts and coworkers and so forth all get to know what this show is, we would appreciate it as much as we appreciate you. You can find out all about us from all the social media as a Team Bond podcast. Also, if you want to see future or rather past episodes of the podcast, all you have to do is go to teambonding.com slash podcast to find out more. Until next time, my friends, always remember, no matter where you are in the world, no ma- as long as you are within the sound of my voice, you are now forever on my team and I am always going to be on yours. Good luck, everybody, and we'll see you all next time. Jesus, Jesus,